Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Sam Says, a podcast brought to you by the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, or I'm HIP for short. I'm DeRondel Beverly with the Gemini Group, joined always, as always rather, by the Sam and Sam Says, the Executive Director of the organization, Samantha Oltsfry. Sam, how are you today? I'm great, DeRondel. How are you doing? I am doing well. It has been a while, so you know I'm going to ask, how has your, how has your summer been treating you? It's been amazing, loving Chicago summer as always, and we just got back from a sunny trip in Southern California. Fantastic, how the little guy do on the trip? He loved it, wants to go back. We took a trip to Disneyland and loved every second of it. Fantastic. We too just returned from a trip. We were in the Colorado mountains for two weeks. Uh, we go out there every summer for about two to three weeks to go hiking and just enjoy nature. And I think this is the year that got us closer to potentially moving there permanently. Maybe in retirement. Maybe in retirement. So today we have an interesting episode. We are going to talk about value-based care, and we have some special guests in the Sam Says Recording Studios today. But before we get to those special guests, maybe give the listeners just a little bit of insight as to, just to kind of set the table as to what value-based care is. Yeah, so this topic is near and dear to my heart, and I would really say it's the reason of why I'm in the role I'm in and why I believe so much in managed care and care coordination, and that is that value-based care and contracting is how you actually change healthcare in Illinois and throughout the country. It is where you reimburse providers based on the outcomes and the services that they Uh, provide and the impact that they have on members' lives. And it takes the system from one in which it's just transactional. You've um, provided the service, we've provided you a payment, and, you know, repeat, to one in which providers and plans and partners really sit down and think, how can we transform the system to put the member in the center and focus on driving value out of the limited resources that we have in all healthcare. So very exciting topic from my perspective. And as you and I have been talking in the past, as this topic of, of healthcare continues to evolve, I would imagine that this is something that more and more people are going to be paying attention to. Absolutely. It is um, sort of the topic du jour, if you will. Actually, in Illinois, there's now a value-based care working group, uh, a real focus um, of the legislature and of the uh, Department of Healthcare and Family Services on how do we take the billions of dollars that we spend on Illinois Medicaid and drive outcomes with that investment. Fantastic. And so we, uh, I think this is a good time to introduce our guests. Uh, today we are joined to continue this conversation. We are joined by two individuals from Aunt Martha's Health and Wellness. We have Raul Garza, the president and CEO of the organization, and we also have Audrey Pennington, the chief operating officer of Aunt Martha's. Thank you both for being here with us today. Hey, thanks for having us. So let's just jump right into it. Raul, we'll start with you. Can you give us a bit of uh, some background on the services your organization provides? Sure. Aunt Martha's has been around since 1972. We started out in uh, Park Forest, the uh, south suburban uh, suburb, as a drop-in center. And over the last 47 years, we've grown to be really a multifaceted, uh, programmatically diverse organization. Uh, starting out having provided community-based services, child welfare services, uh, and then 20 years ago we became what's called a uh, federally qualified health center. And it was really a breakaway from traditionally what we had been doing 
And uh, I think it was really fortuitous for us to have made that commitment and that investment because it really allowed for us to integrate our care, which uh, my colleague Audrey will speak more about in a few minutes. But um, I think one distinction I'd like to make, uh, actually two distinctions, one is that we are the only federally qualified health center in Illinois that's also a licensed child welfare provider of the state of Illinois. And, and two, to pick up on where Sam left off about value-based care, I think how, how Aunt Martha sees value-based care is, is really through sort of an equation where we always want to know that we're improving the health care of the lives of the patients we're serving. So what tells us that? Or are we answering the question, do patients get healthier while they're in our care? Number one, and we look for all sorts of data and information and really the patient's input on whether they feel as though we're making an impact in their lives. And then two, ultimately, are we lowering the cost of care? And I think between both of those uh, uh, characteristics, we begin to understand if we're really uh, operating in a value-driven approach. Um, so that's what I would say. And so in this ever-evolving kind of dynamic system that we're in, how difficult is that to make sure that you're staying on top of what you need to do from an organizational standpoint to make sure that that value-based care is there for your patient? Well, let me say first that I, I think, uh, I would say confidently that Martha is absolutely values the relationships we have with the state of Illinois. So primarily um, the Illinois Department of Healthcare and Family Services, the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services, the Illinois Department of Human Services, and the Illinois Department of Public Health, as well as our relationships with managed care organizations, the insurance companies, because at the end of the day, they're the uh, investors in the lives of the patients, and, and then we're fortunate enough to work in collaboration with them to provide the care. So I think succinctly to answer your question, we have to consistently stay on top of policy changes. Um, I think coordination and collaboration with all funders, including the managed care organizations, is key. Um, I think it's critical that there's a constant exchange of information between what we're doing and what uh, we want to make sure that uh, the insurance companies understand about the care we're providing. And, uh, and I think actually they make it a lot easier for us uh, and, and really less difficult, I would say, because of the partnerships that we have with the insurance companies and our funders. Great. Now, Andre, let's bring you in here. So as a provider, what are some of the benefits of managed care? Sure. So definitely I would say the analytics, right? Um, you guys have a significant investment in analytics. You can let us know where our patients are showing up. Um, let us know how we uh, can... Um, connect to our patients. Uh, we can tell you where we see uh, services are needed, where there may be gaps in services in the, in the state, and say, listen, you know, we're, we're having a hard time getting a specific service in the area, but we found a provider that our patients really like, and would you be interested in contracting with that provider? Um, you help us with transportation, which is a huge need uh, in Illinois, um, you know, getting uh, patients connected to their primary care provider or any specialty services they may need. Um, and then I think what we can do with some of the cost savings that we get um, by saving uh, in the total cost of care for patients is we can deal with some of those social determinants. I think integrated care is about physical health, it's about behavioral health, and it's about addressing those social determinants. Realizing that we have to treat the whole person, as Sam would say. You know, we know that we, we so many times we're connecting with 
a lot of our very hard patients uh, to engage with. And that's because they're dealing with a social determinant. They, they are not connected to permanent housing. They're moving from place to place. They're dealing with some kind of substance abuse or some kind of food insecurity. And we know that in order to reach that patient, we have to deal with that first. So they're not really interested that they haven't come to their physical or that you know their children have missed an immunization. They're worried about like the day to day. And so our care coordinators are working with those patients to really make sure that they get connected to housing, um, and that we, we know also that we have to work with partners. So we as Aunt Martha's, though we provide a variety of services, we know that we have to collaborate with other partners. And I think that's really where you get the value. Um, and, and, and certainly that's what we're seeing uh, in our data. I think that's what we're able to track very well. I love that. And I like that you both, um, Raul and Audrey, talked about the needs of the member first, and what does it mean for them to feel healthy, and then what are those social determinants um, that are impacting their lives, because it's like exactly what you said, if they're worried about housing, that's their number one priority, far more than their A1C3 score or their immunization record, et cetera. I mean, it's really their lives, and healthcare is a component of that. Um, you guys talked a little bit about value-based care. Um, or about value and saving uh, patient costs, lowering those that, that the cost. Um, Raul, how do you keep that patient cost lower than other providers? Sort of what are those statistics and how have you moved that needle more specifically? Sure. So let me start with some of the data that we've studied uh, that reflects the last three years uh, at Martha's cost comparison per patient per year versus... Uh, the national and uh, Illinois trend. So, for example, uh, 2015, the uh, national average cost per patient was $826, uh, and we've seen that climb three years later, the 2017, to be $941 uh, and change. That's about a $115 uh, increase over the last several years. In Illinois, it was uh, in 2015, $639, and we saw that climb to $731. So not, not as much as a national level, but um, still about a, about a $90 uh, increase. With Aunt Martha's uh, in 2015, we're at $697, and we actually saw it decline to $618, uh, or a 16 uh, percent decrease over that same three-year period. So um, I think, you know, I think I, the, the first thing I would point to is the fact that 16 years ago, we made a commitment to uh, really design ourselves to be integrated. So that means to screen for depression and screen for mental health illness with adolescents and adults. Uh, and then from there, we began to really expand our capability around care coordination. And that really happened over the last six years. And Audrey could speak more specifically to what really what the impact of those strategies have been on our, on our patient care, as well as um, really being a pioneer with telepsychiatry and what that's done for us. Yeah, so, so I would say the cost of care, when you're um, uh, able to uh, make sure that patients get connected to service. I, you know, we, Raul and I met with the director of HFS and just really talked about how difficult it is for patients to get connected to care in order in a reasonable amount of time so after a hospital visit how quickly can they actually get to a provider can they get there within seven days which is the benchmark and so 
because we made those investments in, with care coordinators about five years ago, those patients know, I mean, our care coordinators know how to connect to a patient. They know how to get a hold of them and say, listen, you need to, you know, see your primary care provider within um, uh, seven days. We get them that appointment. We have um, uh, increased the access to behavioral health services through telepsychiatry because we know throughout the state that, you know, maybe that provider doesn't need, you know, in Southern Illinois, doesn't need 40 hours of behavioral health. They just need 16 hours. And so, and those 16 hours need to be spread out amongst five days. So we're able to provide telepsychiatry, you know, in a more efficient way than it is for a psychiatrist to drive downstate two or three hours there and back. And so we know that we're, we're saving costs with uh, also readmissions because we do connect patients to their primary care provider. They're not readmitting to the hospital. So I think that because we've made the investment so early on, um, where the industry is just now starting to hire care coordinations, as you know, the state is moving to the integrated health home model in January, which is not direct services. It is care coordination right. services. So, you know, we are very much set up uh, to take on that model immediately. And if I could ask you, Audrey, just to expand also on the investment we made in, in the collaborative care model, yes. because as opposed to paying the psychiatrist that cost, we're able to drive down a lot of the lower acute mental health care that's needed to the primary care physician, if you could speak to that, because I think it's a big driver. Absolutely, and I think this is happening throughout the United States. The way we're going to be able to address the mental health uh, access that is so necessary is we have to train our primary care providers to deal with those low acute behavioral health cases. And so we've partnered with University of Michigan to train our primary care providers on the collaborative care model. So they get the training in order to, to know exactly how to deal with some of those low acute behavioral health conditions. And so they work, you know, in collaboration with our psychiatrists. We have a large network of psychiatrists. They can do consultations immediately if they feel, you know, maybe a patient needs to be stepped up to a psychiatrist. They're able to do that consultation right away. Um, they're able to do med reconciliations with a um, uh, psychiatrist. Um, and I think that is the value of collaborative care. So many times when the primary, primary care provider is not talking to the uh, mental health provider, there's a lot of med, med reconciliation issues that can, you know, come up. And, and I like both the collaborative care model from a, a thought process of utilizing the resources within the healthcare system to their highest efficiency. You know, we have incredibly well-trained PCPs, primary care physicians, and we have a shortage of psychiatrists. How do we use our primary care physicians to treat as you said, those lower need um, behavioral health care needs. How do we maximize the resources we have? And what I also like, as you guys have all tied together, is you've made investments and focused on um, social determinants of health care, focused on the member, things that sound like on paper cost money. Right. But you've seen an incredible return on those investments, Absolutely. bending the cost curve in the opposite direction against national trends, against statewide trends. And it's really demonstrative of the fact that when you look outside of your four walls of healthcare and are able to engage individuals and meet them where they are, you're actually able to not only transform those people's lives, which is what you guys do day in and day out with your vision, but you're also able to transform the system and right. to use resources efficiently and effectively and make an impact. And I just think that um, is often we hear about it from an anecdotal standpoint, mm -hmm. but you guys are really um, representative of what it looks like in the real world and what it actually means in our state. 
Well, no, we appreciate that. I mean, I would just point, and I know I reeled off a lot of data earlier, but when you look at the national cost uh, per patient uh, for 2017, it's $941 compared to Aunt Martha's cost at 618 It's a over a $320 difference. And it's not as though we're pulling back on resources. In fact, we're putting more resources into it, but also organizing the resources that, so that they're being provided in the right place at the right time and certainly at the right cost. Absolutely. And when you think about Medicaid, that's over $300 of taxpayer dollars. Uh, exactly. That can then be spent on investing either differently in this healthcare system or on, you know, education, on uh, construction, on our, you know, environment throughout the, the state. And so it's, it has a double impact when we're talking about the Medicaid program. Well, I, I came across an article recently where if, if the cost of health care continues to grow, which right now it's floating at about 19% of gross domestic product, it'll start to carve in and cannibalize other major sectors of the U.S. economy. And that's why it, it, it can't continue to go at the pace it's going. And we've got to do the types of things that we're talking about, not just to control cost, but really have healthier people compared to other countries' uh, mortality rates and, and you know the wellness and health health disposition of, of their people, their citizens. Absolutely. Can you give us a sense as we wrap, because you, you talked about the very important work that your organization does. In terms of that impact, can you give us a sense of the size of the organization, perhaps personnel and budget, but also reach of you know, the, the scope of services and facilities? Perhaps? Sure. So I'll have Audrey talk about the, the ge geographic reach and the number of patients we're trending up. Um, we, we are seeing growth from last year to this year. But in terms of personnel, we have about 850 employees, um, and uh, about 100 of those are physicians, I would say, and uh, probably another several hundred are paraprofessionals in, in the healthcare field, uh, but social workers, um, crisis workers, counselors, therapists. I mean, it runs the gamut. And the thing I'm, I think we're proud of is that it's a pretty lean administration of, of, of an organization that's 850 employees for about 55 people as our overhead, which is really lean when you consider that the benchmark is usually anywhere between 15 and 20 percent. So we could easily be doubled, but I think that reflects our desire to really want to leverage technology and have uh, technology be the solution for challenges we come across. But Audrey could speak more about the patients we serve, or the, or the members we serve in Illinois. Sure, so we serve about 65,000 members last year, and we're on target to serve about 70,000 Illinois residents. Uh, we have 23 health centers, as far north as Rockford. We go as far west as Toulon, which is in Stark County. And we have a health center in Danville. And so we have some in the city, south suburbs, Aurora, Carpentersville. Um, and then we offer a variety of services. Like I said, we offer OB services, we offer um, uh, medical services, we offer family planning, we offer uh, behavioral health, we offer dental services, therapy. So we offer a variety of services too. So it isn't just like we're trying to um, just serve mom and babies. We serve, we serve a lot of adults, and in fact, we serve more adults than we do the children. And we're actually, um, we're actually drawing patients from over 650 communities in Illinois. Wow. So, um, yeah, I'm always amazed when I see a new community pop up. Um, and that probably has a lot to do with our telemedicine, you know, reach into those communities. Mm -hmm. So if you look at a density map, you would think that 
We've got physical sites. Uh, although we have 23 clinics, we have over 35 sites in total when you consider the other work that we're doing. And, and I guess the last thing I would say is that we're bringing this integrated approach into the child welfare industry. So it's something that hasn't been seen before, and I think it, it, it's, it takes a little while for people to understand what is an integrated approach into the child welfare work that we do. And so it's been a slow and a little longer education process, but I think eventually people will get there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so as we wrap, we know that um, listeners and partners can go to auntmarthas.org, but is there anything there in particular, perhaps events or upcoming projects that you want to just perhaps highlight that um, folks can take a listen to for? Uh, yeah, Audrey, go ahead if you want to oh, touch on that. Yeah, so we, we do have a fundraiser coming up yep. on September the 19th. So, yep. yeah, so all of that information yep. is on our website at, you know, auntmarthas.org. Um, you can also see all the variety of different services we have, all of our different locations, um, and yeah, events pretty, coming up. Yep, it's a pretty easy site to maneuver. So we put a lot of work into it. Um, I mean, for the first 45 years, we were known as Aunt Martha's. Youth Service Center, mm. and uh, obviously what we're doing now reflects a lot more than just that. Um, so if you go there, it should be pretty easy to navigate. Great. Well, we appreciate you both being here to have uh, for having us. to join us for this conversation. Sam, any final thoughts? Um, no, I just really want to thank Raul and Audrey, and I don't know. I'm sure you got it through listening, but they both really are visionary leaders in the healthcare space and Absolutely. have transformed Illinois, and we are a better state for their leadership and engagement. Thank you. Thank you. And we do definitely thank them for appearing with us today. Uh, on behalf of Sam and the rest of the team at I'm Hip, I'm Deronda Beverly again from the Gemini Group. If you like what you've heard today, please check us out at imhip.net. You can also follow this podcast on Podbean, and you can also check us out on social media profiles, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon.